So as I said at the beginning of the service, we are talking about what God is like. Uh, We have talked about God's holiness and our own call to be holy. Uh, We've talked about God's justice or justness and our call to reflect that justness uh, in our own lives. And today we're going to talk about mercy or compassion or as our Bible translates it, loving kindness. Um, It all comes, as I said, from the word hesed, a Hebrew word. Um, It is, I haven't done all the counts to see if it is the most common description of God, but it shows up 250 times in the Old Testament, hesed. And then it has a counterpart in the New Testament in the word mercy in Greek, um, where it is there descriptive of God and sometimes of Jesus and of his followers. And so the picture is throughout the whole of scripture, this trait of God, this compassion, this kindness, this mercy, this hesed, uh, is one of the, the core characteristics of what God is like. So as we've done each week so far, I want to I spend a moment talking about God's loving kindness and then our call as followers of God, children of God, disciples of Jesus to also show that mercy and compassion in our life. And then uh, at the end, maybe a few homework assignments or considerations of what it actually looks like in our, our modern life. So to talk about God's loving kindness, uh, I want to go through three uh, sections of scripture real quick. The first one is Psalm 136. This is what we use part of for our call to worship this morning. So there it is again. I I took out the refrains just so I could fit it onto one slide. And these are just, what, six, seven verses out of about 30 or 40. Um, If you read through Psalm 136, and I would commend that to you maybe tonight uh, or tomorrow morning, if you are having a devotion, you'll see a whole list of characteristics of God. God is good. God is God. God is Lord. You'll see a list of um, actions God has done, like uh, creation, creating the earth, the wonders of the earth, uh, redemption, salvation, delivering his people from Egypt through the Red Sea. It even includes uh, things like God's judgment against evil, um, what he, you know, when God parted the Red Sea to lead the Israelites through, the Egyptian army was chasing them to kill them or re-enslave them, and the waters closed in judgment on them. All of that is presented in this psalm. Um, that sounds like the scary part to us, right? God's judgment. All of it is presented in this psalm, and after every line um, is this refrain, God's loving kindness is everlasting. So even um, when the waters closed upon the Egyptians... God's loving kindness is everlasting. It understands love and kindness and compassion and mercy, all this that is hesed to be behind all of these actions from creation to salvation, even to judgment. How do we understand that? Well, I I remembered, um, I was careful not to call out any of my children's names because sometimes they're here in the room. Um, An unnamed child of mine, who may or may not be the one in the back corner. Um, <coughs> this happened to mul- multiple times. Child gets in trouble, right? They do something they're not supposed to. So the parent disciplines them, sends them to their room or sends them to timeout, or you know, there's some consequence for uh, the, the action, right, for the disobedience. Now, there were times that that was, um, you know, the, the thing that the child had done was, was so strong-willed or was so against what they wanted that the consequence 
they experienced it um, as uh, hate. I mean, they, they said to Heather or to me on occasion, you hate me, when we full well knew, no, I'm doing this because I love you, right? I, there's no hate at all. You're my child. I love you. But there are consequences when you disobey, and those are to teach you so that you'll be safe in the future and as you grow up. And that, that doesn't answer all the questions you might have about a psalm like this, but it, it, it helps me understand that there are actions of God, consequences of my own sin or my own evil, that might cause me to say, God, you're not fair, or I hate you for this, but to recognize that it's actually motivated by God's hesed, God's compassion. God wants the best for me, and sometimes that looks like God's discipline of me or God's allowing the consequences of my own behavior or sin um, or disobedience to play out. Uh, so that, that at least, having experienced that on the earthly level, gives me some frame of reference for how this, this psalm, this song, this prayer could be written that really covers it all. What we as the children would experience as the good parts as well as what we would experience as the hard parts and yet be able to frame it all with this God's loving kindness is everlasting. I want to look at Exodus 34 with you. That was our first scripture reading. As I said, this was the giving of the Ten Commandments. Um, I've highlighted some key parts that I'll walk through with you. I realized, realized though, as I was reading it that you, you may not know the full context and have questions. How come God said, bring um, tablets just like the ones you brought before? Did this happen twice? Yes, it happened twice. Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments from God, this whole holy moment, and he came back down the mountain and found all of Israel uh, in his absence had created the golden calf and were worshiping it as God. And Moses got mad and threw the, the Ten Commandments down and broke the tablets. So this is the scene where he goes back up the mountain. God called him back up and gave him to them a second time. And, and that's the context of uh, at the end, Moses saying, please come with us. I know we are an obstinate and stubborn and disobedient people, but please claim us as your own. So what I wanted to highlight in this um, was that setting, but then the yellow highlights describe some of God's character, right? Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. There's that word, hesed, and truth. Um, there's also uh, what I put in orange. Uh, God keeps loving kindness for thousands who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. There's that merciful forgiveness aspect of this. Um, and then here's another hard part. It's like the previous passage. It's not all, you know, loves and hugs and kisses for us. Yet, uh, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. There's that, that justice, that judgment, that holiness that we've talked about in previous weeks. Yet all of it is part of God's character, right? So the, the loving kindness and the holiness and the judgment all are held together in healthy and perfect tension in God, who, who does all these things perfectly. So interestingly, um, yeah, and the next part sounds even worse, right? Visiting the iniquity on generations of, of people. Somehow Moses <coughs> heard all that, and his response wasn't, hey, can I just have the first lovey-dovey part and set aside the other? He had just come back up the mountain from seeing all of his kinsmen reject God and build the golden calf. He knew full well 
um, their iniquity, their sinfulness, and what that would look like. And he understood the need for God's holiness alongside God's, God's mercy. So Moses' response to God after hearing all those parts, right, the, the compassionate part as well as the, the holy part, is he bows low and worships God. Um, and and he, he says, I pray, let the Lord let you go along in our midst. Again, I know. I know the kind of people that are my people. So it sounds like Isaiah again, right? I am a man of unclean lips, and a people of unclean lips. And yet he says, God, we have no hope apart from you. So will you come with us and pardon our sin? In your mercy, will you pardon our sin and take us as your own people, your own possession? So Moses was able to hold all that together. And um, I think it's important for us to as well. Uh, God is not just this big old grandpa hug in the sky, right? It is this rich, deep, loving kindness, compassion, rooted in holiness, rooted in justice. And we have four or five more character traits to go. I want to end this part, talking about God, with Lamentations 3. Uh, one of, one of the verses I delight in and lean on and cling to in Scripture that is describing this particular trait of God, this compassion. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, same, same word, never come to an end. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. This is why there's hope for a people of Israel who built a golden calf who are disobedient. This is why there's hope, even though there is judgment for sin and iniquity. Um, there is hope because God extends his mercy, his loving kindness again and again, morning by morning, day after day after day after day. And, and welcomes us to, to turn to him again in repentance and in hope. And I, I take great hope in those verses. When I, moved, I want to move to the New Testament. We've seen in previous weeks that God is holy, God is just, God is merciful. And his desire for us is to reflect those traits, those godly traits in our own life. And so there is this, this scene um, where Jesus is interacting with um, uh, an expert in the law. If you're reading your Bible, it calls him a lawyer, but don't get confused with our modern-day lawyers. That just means an expert in the law of Moses, so it's a religious category. You may remember last week, Jesus had a run-in with the Pharisees and had some strong words for them. Uh, he was commenting on their practice of tithing to the, the smallest bit. They even tithed their spices, their mint and their dill and cumin. But he said to them, Woe is you. You have followed basically the letter of the law, but you've missed the whole heart of it. And he, he referred to it as the weightier provisions of the law, which is showing uh, mercy and compassion. Um, very similar to that this week, uh, this expert in the law comes up to Jesus and says to him, how, uh, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked the man, well, you know the law. What does it say? And the man gave a very famous answer. He said, well, the law says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, very good. Go do those things and you'll inherit eternal life. Then the man said, well, who is my neighbor? 
follow-up question to love your neighbor uh, as yourself. And in response to that, Jesus told this parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm just going to kind of move to the end of it. There's a lot that I, I like to talk about with this parable. But the, the, the guts of it are that these two religious folks, Pharisee-type people, who followed the law, passed this man in need, and even crossed over to the other side of the road. Why did they do that? Were they just heartless? Were they, I've sometimes heard it said, well, they were busy. They were late for a, you know, a worship service or something like that. I think actually they were following the law that this, this man, because he was bloody and beaten, um, in some sense would have been considered unclean. And so they distanced themselves from that. But this is exactly like what Jesus had just talked about with the tithing and the mint and the dill and the cumin. They were following the letter of the law. If something is unclean, don't touch it, stay away. But they missed the heart of the law, the compassionate heart of the law, which is in the law. Like one of the law of Moses says, don't work on the Sabbath, right? It's holy. But if your ox or your child falls in a ditch, falls in a hole, is wounded, by all that is holy, help them out, right? That, that supersedes the, the don't work on the Sabbath. If someone is hurt, help them. There was at the heart of the law of Moses this, uh, this hesed, this compassion. And so Jesus was, was telling a very similar story you know, this imaginary story. Yes, they were following the law, but it took a Samaritan, a foreigner, to actually truly follow the law because he followed the heart of the law. That has, he showed mercy. He showed compassion. He gets to the end of the story. It says, of these three that interacted or didn't interact with the man, which one proved to be his neighbor? And the expert in the law said, well, the one who showed mercy. And, and Jesus said, go and do it. Go and do the same, and you will be a neighbor. <clears throat> so Jesus, you know, talks about neighbors a lot, and we've heard that, the golden rule and all that. He is, he is using that to help us understand what, sh what us showing God's mercy looks like um, with our neighbors. So I want to um, yeah, move to us and, and, and talk just for a minute about how we might show mercy so sometimes we, I'll say two things about this. That, that great commandment, love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes as Christians, uh, as people of faith, we, we divide those two and we, we kind of focus on one or the other. We either kind of say, well, we're all about God and loving God well and worshiping God and we just kind of either forget or demote the other one, and that's the definition of our faith. Or there's some uh, Christians who really focus on loving their neighbor well, and, it, and it's very important to go uh, show mercy and compassion and do justice and, and all those kind of things. But it's both, right? Jesus, the, even the, the expert in the law said you can't separate them. It's all the great commandment, right? We are to love God with all that we are and all that we have and also love our neighbor as ourself. And we do that by showing mercy, by showing justice, by um, living out our life. That's a whole lesson in itself. Part two, though, tucked away into Jesus' response to this man is one that got me. Like, I got that part. Yeah, they're both important. Two times he said to the man, do you know what is the right answer? And the man did. The greatest commandment is to love God 
and to love my neighbor. And Jesus' response to him wasn't A plus, you got it. It was go and do it. It's not enough just to know the right answer. Jesus said, now go and do it. Go love God with all you are and all you have. Go love your neighbor as yourself. That's how you inherit eternal life. And he told this parable about to answer the question, who is my neighbor? And he got to the end. Um, which one of these proved themselves to be the neighbor? Well, it's the one who showed mercy. That wasn't the end. It wasn't, yep, you got that one right. You got the point. He said, go and do it. So there's this, uh, and that's, that's where I miss so often. I know a lot of things, right? I've been to school for this. I've studied all these. I can tell you what the story means. But Jesus will add to that and say, all the more if you know what you're supposed to do, go and do it. Go and, and live for God. So that's one, uh, one reflection on how do we show mercy. It's not enough just to know the definition of mercy. Uh, we are to go show it and live it out. Secondly, I want to challenge you. Here's a bit of a homework assignment. Is take some time this afternoon or tonight or this week just to put everything aside you know, that would distract you and just reflect for a moment. If you're a journaling type person, you might want to write this down. Or maybe it's just a mental exercise, but reflect on a time or times where you have experienced yourself or seen or witnessed the mercy of God. That's what Psalm 136 is. It's an exercise in bringing to mind, how is God merciful? Where have I seen the mercy of God? What does it look like when God shows his mercy? And then celebrating that. And it's going to be hard for us to live that out if we, if we haven't pondered what, what it is we're supposed to live out, right? So that's, that's the assign, assignment. Reflect on a time or times you've seen or experienced God's compassion, God's mercy, God's loving kindness, where you could put your finger on it and say, yeah, that comes from God. That is God or that comes from God through this person, that kind of thing. And then thirdly, and here's the do it part, is ask God to show you um, who your neighbor is and notice what the need is. It's likely not going to be a naked, beaten person on the side of the road. If it is, by all means, call 911 and help them. It's usually a lot more subtle than that. It can be um, you know, a, a, an acquaintance at work. You can see the expression on their face that something has gone down. Um, it could be someone in your own home. You know your people well. You know uh, sometimes just by a, a small um, look or word or statement that something's not quite right, you know when someone's hurting. Um, it may be someone you don't know well at all. But I think many of our first opportunities to notice and to love well are with the people that are already in our life. And as we do that more and more, uh, God expands our horizon, helps us to notice more, and gives us more opportunity beyond that. So ask God to help, uh, show you examples, and then lead you to do Mercy, compassion, loving kindness. Um, and if you are so inclined, I'd love to hear back about it. I won't make you get up and tell the story in front of the whole congregation and the World Wide Web, um, but I would love to hear and just validate in you. Yes, yeah, that is a wonderful example of God's mercy in your life. Praise God for that. I give thanks for that. That, that whole feedback loop is what helps us um, participate in God's goodness for us and, and clarify, yes, God did something. God is doing something and getting the feedback and, and will become um, 
it will become more and more easy to recognize those opportunities and to act and to do and to feel um, the blessing of God. So that's my prayer for you and for me today. May God give us ears to hear and hearts to follow. Amen.